I'm now in my 30th year working to restore nature in forests and on farms, mostly across the north of England. 30 years ago I left the city and my old job behind. I hung up my suit and tie and went off to plant trees. It's a decision I've never regretted. I'm Pete Leeson. Welcome to Tree Amble Podcast. This is a podcast about people and farming and trees and nature and how we could all do much better. To celebrate my three decades in nature conservation, I decided to take some time out in 2023 to go back and talk with many of the people I've met along the way. I've met some amazing and wonderful people and many have become my friends. In our conversations, I want to find out how farming is changing in the face of economic and climate uncertainty, how people managing the land are responding to the challenge of the nature crisis and how communities of people are coming together to support each other and to create a future. I'll be talking to farmers, crofters, community groups, ecologists, advisors, rewilders, from Kent to the Outer Hebrides. I'll be asking questions about arable and pasture farming, crofting, volunteering, health and well-being, sustainability and wildlife. I hope you enjoy listening to these podcasts as much as I've enjoyed putting them together. Welcome. This is episode one. And today... For our first of this series of podcasts, we're going to meet Jenny and Mark on their North Cumbrian dairy farm. They have completely changed the farm from intense dairy unit to an organic pasture-only system and now make their own cheese, butter and ice cream. This interview is about their journey to change the farm and how they make high-quality products which add value to their fabulous organic milk. I hope you enjoy it. because our other one's broken. This is a lot smaller. It's actually made in the Ukraine, this piece. All right. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't seem to be uh, cooperating as I wanted it to. We're basically separating cream, uh, separating milk to make enough cream for our first ice cream maker today. So this is your, your first day of ice cream making and the kit is broken. <laughs> Usual story. Usual story. Putting ourselves under too much pressure. So this is uh, Trapenna uh, village, north of Cumbria, and with I'm with Jenny and Mark on Parkhouse Farm. Yeah. And this is the dairy that we're in, and this is their first day of <laughs> making ice cream. And everyone's, everyone's looking a little bit stressed, <laughs> which is great. Well, actually, we're, we we separate the cream here. We've we've got another ice cream making facility in the other barn, which okay. we'll show you in a minute. Okay. And Matthew's the expert ice cream maker, so uh, yeah, hopefully it'll go better after we've let it go. 
So this is actually your, your family farm, isn't it, Jim? It is, yes. Yep, there's been some changes yep. in the last 10 years. But yeah, so we, we took it on um, 10 years ago and um, have yeah, spent the last 10 years yeah, moving it towards a, a more sort of regenerative way right. of farming. So yeah, when we took it on, it was... Um, uh, there was nearly 200 dairy cows and they were um, kept in sheds most of the year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've... Which is what, you didn't, you didn't want to do that or it wasn't well, economically we, viable? Well, we actually what? tried to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, felt it just wasn't economically viable. So the milk price was not great when we moved back. I think it hit a low of 15, 16 mm. pence a litre. Yeah. And we were having to buy in a lot of feed to keep these big Holstein cows um, fed and producing the milk. Um, so these were not native breeds, they were, they were, they were yeah. sort of continental based breeds. Yeah. Lots of feed inputs yes. required. Lots of feed, yeah. Lots of yeah, feed from all over the world. But they'd been bred for high milk yields. Yeah, yeah. And they, you know, were brilliant cows. Uh, yeah. Amazing cows that, that had been bred by, you know, we have a fantastic right. herdsman who's still with us. Yeah. So, yeah, um, lovely cows, but just a system that we felt we couldn't keep going with. We would have needed to have invested a lot in the housing, I think. So, for we, welfare standards or for milk production? Or yeah, for both, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, to keep going at the rate we were going at. Um, and yeah, to to get the the profit, um, I think we would have had to invest a lot right. in that. So that is one option that we looked at. Yeah. But at the same time, we were going to visit lots of other people who were doing different things, yeah. and that's where we got. So that's yeah, kind of the, the spur, spur of the sort of regenerative move. Really, it's the, it's the last decade or so, isn't it? Really. Yeah, yeah. I think we just felt so. Obviously, we'd we'd been off the farm, so we'd been off the farm. Doing other jobs, and we wasn't Mark a rugby player. He was a rugby player. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that for him today, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, then uh, he was in the army. So yeah, we'd moved around a bit in right. the army. Um, I had done a bit of teaching, um, and then we had two, yeah, young kids when we came yeah. back here, yeah. and we were working very hard when we first came back we were actually milking the cows three times a day to try and get that yeah. <laughs> get that milk um and we couldn't sustain that and we just sort of felt yeah we needed to rethink things this is kimberly, kimberly. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hello. i'm just waving a, a microphone around i'm doing a bit of an interview but it's it's fine no no do do <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're just, I've just kind of hijacked myself into the situation. Um, so yeah, Kimberly's coming into, because we have so many orders going out, um, we, we need all hands on deck on right. Tuesdays and Wednesdays right. to pack and cut and get orders up. So, yeah. so you've moved to an organic system? We have, yeah. So, well, the first step was to um, a grazing system. Yeah. Uh, so we... Yeah, crack on. Yeah. There's some noises going to happen. We might just have to move out of the way. Sorry, I'll put the lid back on this. Yep. This is the brine bath. So, to, yeah, first job today is going to be 
take the brie that was made yesterday. It needs to sit in the brine bath for about half an hour. Okay. So um, I do that in two lots and then and then all of these need to be washed up. So 80% of cheese making is washing up. Okay. <laughs> so I've got like an hour's worth of washing up. All these God. all okay. these molds get washed. So there's like two layers here. So there's two layers of brie molds. There, there's uh, what, a couple I of hundred brie? 200, 200 brie in a brie make. Yeah, so that was about 300 and 380 litres yesterday. So you've gone from this, you've gone from this high intensity milk yes. into low intensity uh, organic. Yes. Reduce the number of cattle. Yeah. Absolutely. And now you've gone into cheese. And now we're going to cheese. So I think the driver, well, the driver for the cheese and doing something with our own product was that when we changed the cows and we changed the system, the milk that we were getting, we could see it was so thick and creamy, yeah, such yeah. high quality, yeah. you know, we could taste it, but we didn't have an organic contract to sell it to. So we just felt it wasn't being appreciated in a way. It was being taken away. We putting still into weren't the mix with everybody putting else's. into the mix with everyone else's. Yep. And we we used to see the tanker come and think, oh, there they are, stealing our milk again. Yep. And we just thought, we want to do something with that. And we still felt we weren't getting a price yep. that it was yep. worth. So that was our driver behind doing something with it. And cheese was our first thought. We yeah. love cheese, yeah. and that is traditionally how milk would be stored. So, yeah, gave it a go. <laughs> and that hit just before COVID, didn't it? Yeah. So, so I came, I came to uh, see you. You did, yeah. Not long before that, I think. Yeah. Talked about trees and fields. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, 2019, we we did a course. Kathy uh, Biss came and showed us how to make cheese in the kitchen. And then after that, we just went for it. And yeah, have, yeah these were old calf pens. And yeah. yeah, it's all been kitted out. So we're in, we're in a sort of couple of small rooms. We've got separated in one. We've got uh, a, a larder, I suppose. Or a, uh, yeah, a chiller. A yeah. chiller behind us. There's another one where there's loads of bits of stainless steel. Lots of stain expensive stainless steel equipment. Some of it's been bespoke. This was made for us. So this right. is for the brie. It's different to the cheddar in right. that we want the whey to drain out a bit gently, so it's got a gentle slope okay. and it right. just sort of drips away overnight. But it literally um, is just dripping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's quite a damp, damp and cool environment in here, actually. It's, but it's yeah. As somebody who loves cheese, this is this is fantastic for me because I've never <laughs> been in a place like this watching cheese actually being made. Yeah, and do you know, it's so we didn't know about it either, yeah, and yeah. it is amazing watching milk turn into cheese, cheese yeah. literally before your eyes. With the cheddar, you can see the curds knitting together, and yeah, this. Making breeze, yeah, that's quite a short process. It's like three hours, but then it's the it's the aftercare with the breeze. So it gets turned, quite gets turns three times on here, mm. then brined, then sort of dried out, and then into the store where it's turned a few more times before it gets wrapped. So, yeah. but so, so you were saying earlier, this is this is um, this is a sh quick product to make, but it has a short shelf life. Yeah, so it's a very natural product. Yeah, in round and out. Yeah, yeah. Well, from from wrapping we get sort of another six weeks shelf life right. but yeah you want to, we want to ideally be selling this to be eaten at four weeks so yeah but at the moment it's it's not a problem we're selling it as fast as we're making it and and you've got a, you've got a market stall in Keswick now we have seen, yeah a few times. yeah sorry I'll just turn this tap off no that's all right 
That's a full. Yeah, this is just for soaking. Right. Many of my hot wash. <laughs> so there's, so this, this is a lovely transition, isn't it, from intense milk production into less intense organic system. Um, you've changed the, the cow breeds you're using. What breed are you using now? So they're Jersey crossed with Frisian, crossed again with Norwegian Red. Sort of a yeah, a hybrid. Hybrid. Hardy, small. So um, Cumbrian farm. They're hardy animals. Yeah. They're out most of the year. They are. They're out today. It's snowing. It's I think. snowing out there, but they're out today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and they go grass, out. There's a grass-fed system. Yeah, hundred percent grass-fed system. They get um, a handful of lucerne nuts when they come into the parlour mm -hmm. for some of the year, um, but no, they are producing amazing butterfats on just grass. So we have um, done a, a yeah a lot of reseeding. We've put a lot of mixed species lays in. So so these are yeah. mixed herb lays. So they've got yes. deeper rooting species yeah. and different grasses Absolutely. on top. Changes the nutrient balance. Changes yeah. how it works. Yeah. And are you milking physically, or are they robotically milked? Uh, we're milking physically. Mm, our herdsman is milking physically. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. uh, we, Mark and I do, yeah, uh, he's brilliant. He's been on the farm uh, since, well, I think since I was about seven. Right, okay. <laughs> so he's seen all the systems, and, yeah, so he milks... Um, pretty much every day, uh, every other weekend Mark and I do, and every other Friday, so keep our hand in. <laughs> and, and then you're producing this lovely milk, this lovely cheese, and actually we are firm supporters, we've, we've gone and eaten your cheese, yeah. and we love it, we absolutely love it. And so, it's just milk is amazing in that, yeah, it's, you know, it's not just cheese, so yeah, we've started making yoghurt yeah. and butter and now ice cream, but the there's so many, ice cream today. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many options. So for me then, I mean, I treat the tree bits where I came, came to, to see you first really. Have you, in your system, have you seen more wildlife coming back? Are you, yes? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, noticeably. When we walk around the fields, you know, in the height of summer, they are alive. Right. Um, and yeah, I, people have commented that just, yeah, like there's more, well, owls, just we've seen more birds, definitely. I just, it just feel, it does feel alive <laughs> when and you're does out that give there. You, does that give you pleasure to have that? Absolutely, yeah. It does it. I mean, when we've, our first job was to sort of split up our big fields into smaller fields with hedgerows, and I think a lot of people thought, we were crazy, but for us, from a management point of view, it's been brilliant because obviously we need smaller paddocks for yeah. our grazing system. And yeah, it, it, we have we have patches of woodland on the farm, and to us, just yeah, linking up all those woodlands with mm. with trees, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the hedgerows are they're they're still pretty young, so. Um, but you've got but a network of older ones. We you, yeah, well. we do yeah. 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 And now you're looking at field trees as well, trees within we the pastures, aren't we? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons we're here to talk today. Yes. About <laughs> trees. So I'm, I'm going to let you get on, okay. because I know I've been I'm taking your time, so right. thank you very much. I'm just going to dunk some of this in a... <laughs> in so we're going to dunk some brie in a brine dunk bath. Brie in a brine bath. <laughs> and, and, um, and I can see you... I'm just going to go into the cheddar yeah, room, hang okay. on. Tell me, just tell me what you're doing. So I'm chopping up a round of cheddar. This is Eve, by the way. <laughs> and um, 
once it's been chopped down, I will package it, put labels on, so it'll be nice and fresh today. This is the classic big round cheddar with it being cut with a, uh, a, big, a wire. Um, best part of the job is that each round needs tasting to make sure that it's up to <laughs> standard. So I would do not complain. So you're about a taster that. as well. Yes. Cheese yes. cutter, bagger, packer, and taster. Yes, we're going to make sure that each round is okay. Yep. That the um, that the uh, moulding on the outside is how we want it to be, and that it's not affected the taste of the cheese at all. So you want the mould on the outside, nice firm crust, and a, a sort of firm but solid inside with beautiful creamy yes. yellow colour. Yeah, and the best kinds are where you can taste it, the floral nature of, um, of uh, the fact that the cows have been grazing clovers and things like that. You can taste so you it can, in the You cheese. can actually taste what they've been eating in the milk. Yes, when you, when you really know what to look for, but if I point out to people the floral nature of it, they can taste it and it stands out, it's especially with this cheddar. It's such a beautiful... So, you know, we're home. used to eating cheddars mass-produced in mm. factories. Yes. Um, which are bland, the same bit of cheese, every time you bite into it, it's the same cheese. Yes. You, what you've got here is a living, breathing, unique product, isn't it? Oh yeah, like I wouldn't eat a piece of cheddar from a supermarket on its own and be able to taste much, but this, just want to just keep eating pieces of it, it's just got, it, <laughs> it's got such a taste to it, yeah. So do you not get, because I have people say, oh, it would be great to work in a chocolate factory, mm -hmm. get free chocolate all day long. Mm -hmm. I think you probably get, you know, get to the point where you think, mm, I don't need any more chocolate. Yeah, no, I, I thought I'd be sick of cheese by now, but I'm not. No. Because well, the, the best part about this place is that each cheese is different. Yeah. It's not mass produced. So one week we'll have a cheese, you know, they're equally good, but one will be more floral and one will be just stronger and one will be very subtle and creamy and, and they're all made the same way but it very much depends on what the cows have eaten that day, the time of year and I think that's what yeah. I mean, quite personally so I don't get sick of it. Fantastic, we love it. I'll, I'll, again, I'll stop slowing you down. And there's definitely a salesperson there. So we've got traditional churns, but these look like they're made of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> so not traditional churns not at all. They look like traditional churns. Good for cleaning. Cleaning, very sturdy, yeah. So I'm going to go and get Ken's bag to take the milk around to the ice cream spot. Yep. And then you and I can have a wander over there. Yep. And see how it's going to work. Brilliant. And we need to talk trees at some point, don't we? Yeah. That is what we've come for, after we'll, all. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a one drop. <laughs> yeah, it's the plan to go up to the field. Yeah, okay. we'll go up to the field. Yeah, well, I'll quickly don't leave and grind those. That's great. Thank you, yeah. Jenny. Wow. So the other thing on display here, uh, what are these? These look like, we've got some Binsey Red here, that one. Binsey Red, so Binsey's your local hill, isn't it? Binsey's the local fell, so it's our take on a Red Leicester style cheese. Mm. So we, we, we colour the cheese with an Etto berry, which is a traditional colouring for uh, cheese making. And it gives it a deep, deep red flavour. Um, and it also gives it a slight nutty flavour to the, to the cheese, which is quite nice. So we age this, this, is, this, this was made yesterday. Um, 
we this is it's drying off. We're just about to bandage it. So this is bandaged right, traditionally okay. here. Yeah. So we get uh, gluten-free flour and water mix. Uh, use it as a paste, and we put some traditional bandages over the top of it. Um, and that's what gives it that, that hard exterior. Which that's what gives it the rind. Yeah. Okay. And how does that then relate to the kind of the bacterial activity on, on the surface? Um, so that'll go into a store. And then the 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 natural moulds in the air will grow on onto the bandage, mm -hmm. and it'll give it that lovely sort of tiger mottled right, sort okay. of um, skin to it. But we can go and have a look in the store yeah. uh, when we go over there and okay. see how that works. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Good. So this is your first. First day of first day of production, yeah, yeah, yeah which ice is very cream. exciting, yeah, yeah. It seems a bit daft to be making ice cream when it's snowing outside. It does, yeah. <laughs> it's been one of those weeks, you know. One minute it's it's snowing, the next it's um, it's beautiful. But yeah, this by is, the end this of the is month, Cumbria for you, though. This yeah. is Cumbria, yeah. yeah. <laughs> by the end of the month, it should be nice, and we should be selling it by the bucketful. So what? So what's your role here? You're, are you are you you ice cream maker? I am, yeah. So. Um, I've come over from Gelato Casabella, um, which um, is a restaurant and an ice cream shop in Keswick. Um, and we decided we we're going to push into wholesale ice cream um, and try and target kind of customers, uh, cafes and restaurants yeah. and scooping cabinets, um, just to kind of offer something that's a bit more premium and a bit more bespoke. Um, and obviously collaborating with Mark and Jenny, um, you know, the milk and cream is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the fact that it's got such a story as well is, is yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you're helping out from, a, from another business you're coming here to help out? Uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure help out. Um, it's definitely a collaboration. Um, yeah, okay. It's something that's you know, a lot of work from both of us. Um, so, yeah, before this was just uh, the Atcos building was obviously um, a wedding venue cheese store and then they were just using well, that it's an side. old farm building wasn't it yeah, which is then exactly. converted to wedding, wedding yeah, venue yeah, and then yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so we've taken out everything that was in that side and put in a walk-in freezer um, and then this side is the production here yeah um, so yeah it's quite it's exciting. super exciting yeah yeah, yeah. so, first, so how, did, how did you get into ice cream if that's not a daft question um, so my dad has an Italian restaurant um, and they needed desserts making. Right. Um, and we thought, let's have a go at making gelato. Um, and I had a bit of a crack at that. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, you know, we were just making a very small kitchen, a little, little batch freezer, and it, it seemed like it was going quite well. And before we knew it, uh, we opened the shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it, yeah, it just took off. Well, it's quite funny because we, we we love these guys' cheese, but yeah. we, we also eat, eat your ice cream as well. Oh, right. Cool. <laughs> so when we Good wander around because yeah. in the summer, yeah, yeah. You know, so should we go? Let's go and get ice cream. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Thank you. Stuff. Yeah. 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 It's the same we're just talking about, though. It's that it's you, that the difference between mass produced, yeah. homogenized yeah, yeah. product yeah. going to an ice cream or yeah. this, yeah. Yeah. which is. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of care and a lot of attention to detail that's gone into it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a product that we're really proud of. Um, yeah, and we're hoping that, you know, other people are going to see that as well and, and yeah. be happy to take it on. Yeah. Um, 
that's the plan. Well, day one. And his marks has come back in, yeah. covered in snow. <laughs> Real ice cream weather. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we can't tell the difference on your hair, really, because it's, it's very white. It's quite white, yeah. my rancid beard. So we're just about to start. We're able to pump milk in. We are able to pump milk in. We just yeah. need Matt to, or someone to put past an extension lead. Run a wire through. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is just super exciting, isn't it? I didn't realise I'd come on such an auspicious day. <laughs> well, it is quite exciting, actually, because uh, it's, just, it's another really good product. We, we sort of uh, teamed up with Matt because uh, he makes amazing gelato anyway. He's been making it for 10 years yeah. in Keswick. And, it, it, well, it's the best, best gelato in, in the area. Well, just saying, we, we sneak out in the summer and we go for a walk and then come back and have one of them. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. This is quite exciting. You can come in, it's all right. Yep. If you go in, I'll get the dipstick. <laughs> get the dipstick. Am I... Would you like to, to take it Yeah. Uh, we're just waiting on the extension cable. Yeah. It's not quite reached. Yeah. What's lovely is, is all the kit, caboodle, and everything else that life brings. Mm. Um, it never quite works first time, well, does it? Well, that's it. You go to you know, painstaking detail and effort doing this, and then the thing that you forget is the fact that we actually haven't put a power cable into the, uh, the pump outside. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Who's got an extension cable? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, there's bound to be a few teething problems, but um, yeah. So have you helped design this, this room? Because it's, it's, it's full of... Bits of stainless steel yeah. and um, yeah, benches. I, I have designed it, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, so it's all your fault if it goes wrong? Yeah, yeah very <laughs> yeah. much so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, before we were in um, the dairy facility, it was probably about half the size of this yeah. room. Um, so it's given us a lot more space. Um, and we've sort of taken on uh, Mark's bulk milk tank as part of the process. Yeah. Um, so that's increased our capacity. Um, and we can store an awful lot more ice cream as well now as well. So yeah. So what's how many how many cones? How many cones from a day's production here then? That would be really hard to work out. <laughs> um, that oh, tank is six hundred liters, right? Um, <laughs> and that would get us roughly eight hundred liters of ice cream. Um, and then you'd say a tub. Hands, yeah. about four liters yeah and you can get about 45 scoops 45 cones in one tub right so so it's, it's gonna 45 be, yeah there's a four in there so it's 800 divided by four is 200 so 45 yeah. times 200 yeah someone needs a calculator for do. this one <laughs> nine thousand yeah there's a there's a lot of scoops. cones in it yeah there's that's great isn't it yeah. yeah yeah and it's one of those products where there's um there's not really any waste, which is great. Um, you know, it's everything gets used. Yeah. Um, you know, it's because it's a frozen product as well. You know, it's got a, a decent shelf life, so right. it's uh, yeah, it's, it's good to see. So it's another string to the farmer's bow, isn't it? Exactly. So yeah. milk and butter yeah. and cheese yeah, and ice yeah. cream. Yeah. So it's it's making sure every scrap of milk is used. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it, and it's going to a, a quality product as well. You know, they put a lot of time and effort into the the farming and and what they do here. You know, it yeah. needs to be reflected in the product, really. Yeah. yeah. 
So Matt, this is the sound. This is the sound of <laughs> your milk. Of coming, the milk coming in. Yeah. Coming into your first. Yeah. Chamber. Yep. For the first time. Yep. First time. <laughs> Small batch. Just in case something goes wrong. Um, well, I'm sure the people wanted to have cups, but uh, yeah, if I. This time next week, we'll be filling it up to about here, which is 600 litres. Um, and it'll be all systems go, um, trying to get ready for Easter, really. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So we've just delivered 100 litres of milk from the cows. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100% pasture-fed milk. 100% pasture-fed. <laughs> it's all on grass. Yeah, so it goes into this tank here, uh, yeah. where it's heated up, and we add the sugars and the other solids, um, and it's pumped into the next tank, which is slightly smaller, where it's, it's cool still down. shiny, still nice and shiny, yep. um, through the plate heat exchanger, uh, into this tank, where we flavour it. So we add things like caramel, you know, you add chocolate. Um, all the different things that sort of make it taste good and interesting. And there's another pipe then from another, from a round tank to a, to a, a kind of rectangular, rectilinear tank. Yep. Um, and that's pumped into the bigger tank. So we'll do a few pasteurizations maybe in a day. And then from there, um, 24 hours later, it's frozen using another large stainless steel box, uh, yep. which is our continuous freezer. Um, so it comes out through this blue pipe here. Yep. Um, and you have two people and one person's holding the pipe and putting it into the Napoli's and then the other person will be sort of adding bits of honeycomb or you know, marshmallows or something. Right. Um, goes onto a trolley and then into the freezer there. Right. And out the other end um, into the shops. Into the shops. Yeah. Ready for Easter. Yeah, yeah, ready for Easter. Fantastic. Yeah. So, and this is being sold in the other business you've been working yes. with? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And hopefully uh, get some other, other businesses on board over the next few weeks. Cool. That's the plan. Excellent. Yeah. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> with, our, with our little pennies. Waiting <laughs> for, <laughs> waiting for a cone in the other Brilliant. Thanks Thank very, very much. much. Yeah. Nice to meet you. And yeah, good nice luck with you. your first pass. Thank you very much. <laughs> just come through the other side of the barn and this is our tree store inhaling this yeah. fantastic slightly mouldy smell <laughs> uh, well so this is our hard cheese store <coughs> Jen showed you the soft cheese store yeah. earlier yeah. Um, this is where our cheddar our bincy red and our trusmador is matured um, which so these are good company names. Binzi is the local fell. That's right. Trosmador is that? Yeah, Trosmador is a gap on the northern fells that we can see from the farm. Yeah, it's where the shepherds traditionally, and still do, uh, push the push their sheep through and they gather. Yeah, um, and it's a it's a lovely part of the the world. So we thought it was quite a nice name for for a, a white Stilton crumbly, uh, regional sort of cheese, uh, which it is. And the cheddar, the cheddar's sort of aged uh, anywhere between seven and twelve months in here. Um, so you saw the you saw the cheese on the mm. in the cheese room uh, ready to get bandaged. That gets bandaged in these traditional bandages. So there's some bandages that I've unwrapped this morning for Eve to chop. But um, 
yeah, they're, they're sort of almost pasted on with the gluten-free flour mix and water. And uh, they they basically hold the um, hold the cheese uh, and the mould grows on the bandages um, and that then transfers onto the rind of the cheese and gives it a, an amazing, amazing different mottled colour. Um, and what what we're what we're really looking for here, to to sort of show us that it's a it's a healthy store is we're looking for cheeses with uh, what's called tiger mold, mm-hmm. and a tiger mold is where you've got um, oranges, whites, blues, um, and 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 growing in a, a sort of mottled effect like that. So you've got the oranges there, the right. blues, the whites, yeah. and if if you've got that type of um, that type of colouring uh, on the on the mould, you know that the air's clean and it's a it's a clean clean um, a clean store. Uh, there's challenges with storage of cheese, and that's why in the cheese world there's basically two professions: there's the cheese making and there's the affiners. And the affiners are the traditionally the the cheese cheese storers, and they're the people that can change the flavour of the cheese with the with the nature of the store. Um, and in France, the affiners are the more well-known people in the right. cheese industry. Right. In this country, you've got the likes of uh, um, Neil's Yard Dairy. The so Bronwyn Percival and her husband. and Yeah, yeah. They, they're certainly and up And they're coming up to see you soon, I think? Hopefully, yeah. yeah that's uh, well, that's yeah, really next exciting. Month. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one. Um, so so we, we met Bronwyn in Yorkshire with a, with a group of, of cheesemakers coming out to one of our rewilding sites talk to us about cattle and things on fell that was a really interesting day yes yeah no we we met Bronwyn um about four years ago now when we first started out on our cheese making journey um and we've 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 stayed in touch but um she's coming up to see how the farm's getting on uh, next month and taste the cheese hopefully and uh yeah, so those 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 guys are really at the top of the game. They've got they've got an amazing place in London, which I thoroughly recommend if anybody's at Borough Market to nip in and see some world class cheese, all from effectively family farms around yeah. the UK, and they source really well. Um, so which we're trying to support. Let's face it. That's right, and, and there's industries like this one. And there's other there's other raffiners out there. So there's the courtyard dairy at uh, Andy Swinsco at Settle, and he's he's got a, a similar model, but it's more northern based. Um, I think he's the second largest um, cheese cheese seller in the country, actually, in a, in a small small place at Settle. So he's really got he's really got a good uh, a good business going there and a good model. Um, so basically, what we've we've got 12, 12 kilogram rounds in here, and each each make in our five hundred liter vat does about um, five to six rounds, uh, and it's it's a snapshot of last year effectively, yeah. um, and you can you can taste it, uh, you can taste whether it was a, a sunny hot day, um, and you can taste what the the cows are grazing and what field they were in by the by the cheese, and I think that's just a, a really lovely way of looking at. Uh, the, the storage of this cheese and I can tell it's not mass produced because every single round is a different shape it's round <laughs> but it's a different shape it's, it's, there, there's not two there's no two in here that are the same quite uh, well we we, tr- we try to keep consistency of the make but um, it, it you know you, you can't keep the when the cows are grazing different paddocks and different um, different hedges and different Lays they're going to get different um, different milk each day, and that that does have an impact on on the cheese. And 
You know, we're not into this supermarket. Everything's the same every single day. You've just got a snapshot of each day as the as the summer and the, the spring unfolds yeah. of last year. So this is where it comes back to the system. <clears throat> Finally, we get to talk about trees, <laughs> which is we helped you put some. I just talked about and then put some hedgerows in. Yeah, four years ago, perhaps three, three, three or four winters ago. Um, we're now talking more about wood, woodland edges and pasture trees. So trees within pastures. Yes. Your system, you're now, are you mob grazing at all? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're bringing everybody together in small spaces? Yes. A lot of those small spaces separated by hedges and then electric fencing beyond that? Yes, that's right. So <clears throat> we, we, we mob graze, we move the cows every, every 12 hours. Uh, and then the cows, on average, don't go back onto that area of grass for about 30 to 40 days. That's the mob grazing principle, so that the... The soil and the uh, and the and, and the plants get uh, time to regenerate, and that's that's the th- that's the thought process behind what we're doing, and it, it, it's supposed to mirror what had happened with large herbivore herds in the past, where uh, say a predator would come along and those herds wouldn't go back onto that area for a good time because they would be scared to. Yeah. Uh, we're now taking the place of the predator, yeah. and we're moving them, um, and we we. We stop the cows from moving too far from where we want them to with with electric fences, um, and then yeah, we 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 split the fields originally back in 2017 with with electric fences, and then we we realised that we needed to for management make the paddock smaller. So we did that with the hedgerows. That's when we started speaking to you. We planted five kilometres of hedgerows, uh, and now we're looking at utilising the trees within the pasture to make a woodland pasture. Um, to provide all the good stuff that you've told us about, uh, and I'm sure you'll tell us about now, yeah. <clears throat> the use of the trees within the, the pasture itself. Shade, shelter, leaf fall. Animals do like e- eating the leaves, don't they? It's good protein, it's dry matter. Yeah. It helps with your worm counts as well, in terms of your, your earthworm counts, I should say. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's the we, we've been we've been watching and, and reading up on the old traditional use of tree hay mm-hmm. in in the past, which has um, come back into a bit more fashion now. Um, but interestingly, when we bought the cows in from uh, when we when we started this system, they were different cows to the Holsteins, and those cows were just trying to eat everything. They were they were eating the hedgerows. They were selective with what they ate. They didn't just want Italian ryegrass. They were they were picking away at the hedgerows. They were eating the leaves. They were browsing around the edges of the fields as they were then, because that's where the good stuff was. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, and that's what drove Jenny initially, um, and then myself to. Um, cool. Uh, we got Jenny coming back into the into the cheese store. <laughs> We need we need some more cheese for the packing oh, some, team. Some more uh, some more cheddar. Yeah, two rounds of cheddar. Okay, I'll get some. So we've, uh, I, I've, I've had a fascinating morning <laughs> doing stuff I love, talking to people, and about food. It's great, but these, these are cheese being delivered by hand <laughs> to another pair of hands to be chopped up. Shall I take the bandage off here? Um, no, uh, I'll take it down like that. We need another one as well. What batch? 2.30. 18th of August last year. Okay. So they'd have been browsing on your clovers? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if Mark was saying that. We think we make our best cheddar 
early season grass. Okay, yeah. yeah, sort of May, June, July. So that's when it's flushing with sugars. It's got. It's had a long yeah. rest period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got that. Whoa. Jenny's setting off with <laughs> 20 kilos, 20 of, kilos cheese. of cheese. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so the, ne the next phase of all of this um, is, and I need to let you get back to some work, is are these field trees that are going in? And yeah. What, so how many are you putting in per, head, per hectare? So we've, we've worked with uh, yourself, we've worked with Danny Teasdale from Oldswater to CIC, and Danny's been, Danny's been great. Um, we're looking, and we'll walk up to the field in a bit and we can have a look, but um, he's coming in, he's, he's helped us plant uh, 30 trees to um, about 10 acres. So much milk left in that? No, no, there's not much at all. Um, it's about 20, 20 litres. Maybe cups of tea. <laughs> um, yeah, so where were we? Thir 30 trees to about 10 acres. Um, maybe maybe slightly more, uh, less, seven acres, something like that. Mm. Um, but we could go and have a look and, yeah. and see and use of the cactus guards because we're going to graze amongst the trees and they're the best for um, preventing the cows from doing too much damage. Um, because it's such a miserable day and a bit windy, I'm not going to take this recording device no, no, with us. So, so one of the one of the questions I have in my mind is is trying to get the right density of pasture trees. Yeah. And we had an issue a few years ago with somebody talking about mastitis in his fields because he, all the cows were gathering under two or three trees. So he cut his trees down. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the wrong response. I think the right response was to put more trees in. So I think when we talk about wood pastures, we should be thinking about how many trees can we put in yeah. that feels right aesthetically, yeah. works in terms of movement of animals and machinery, yeah. but at enough density that the animals will then start to distribute themselves around trees rather than congregating under one or two trees. Yeah. So that's part of the discussion for me, is what we think the right number is. Yeah, and I think you, we're only going to find that out with practice and with the use of the the field. I mean, one of the big things for us, and it's and it's a challenge within the industry as a whole, as 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 the as the farming community moves more towards uh, the planting of trees and the use of trees and agroforestry and silver pastures, trying to understand whether we're by planting trees within the paddocks, whether we're devaluing that land, mm. or whether we're increasing the value. Mm. And for us, we've made the decision that we're going to increase the value because it's a long-term project. Mm. And what we want to do is increase the, uh, the biodiversity, we're going to improve the soil, we're going to make it an, a better habitat for our cows. Uh, they'll be happier cows, they'll give better milk, which will make better cheese and better ice cream. Um, but so you, you can see the whole line there, the line of production from, from your grasses, which are now more interesting, the, cat, the, the, cow ch the choice of cows you've got, all the way through to the end product, you can see the line there. Yeah, and um, that, that's the, the soil and the grasses and the trees is really important to the way we farm because <clears throat> when we just had Italian ryegrass single species fields, there would be no way that we'd be able to just graze the cows on that. We wouldn't have been 100% pasture fed. Mm -hmm. We'd have had to import feed in to feed the cows, um, to give them enough energy to milk. Uh, by giving them a diverse mix and a diverse diet in the fields, um, we've, we've had the ability just to, just to feed them 
just grass pasture pasture and so, what so natural um, and, and that's natural and you know there's there's some there's some fear out there that's spread in the industry um about taking big steps like this about um you know when we first decided to make the step we were told that our cows would lose energy we'd lose protein in the milk they'd lose body condition and ultimately uh, fertility um, what we found when we didn't listen to that was our protein levels went up in our milk the body condition improved and our fertility went up so you've got to do what i think you feels right mm. you've and you've got to react so if you make a big change to a farming system you've got to react if, if something isn't working you've got to fix it but when you read about the evolution of cows you know they're not designed to eat a load of grain and everything else or just uh, white grass or just rye grass they, they're browsers yeah. um so, so the, yeah yeah so in terms of industry so you you you've been the chair of Spectre Farmers? Uh, no, not the chair. I'm, I'm, I'm on the board of a Spectre Farmers. Yeah, I'm on the board of Spectre Farmers. So we, we talk about a conservative industry, one that's, that's less willing to change. It views change quite, quite you know, not particularly um, positively sometimes. Where do you think farming, because I think there's been a massive shift in the last 10 or 15 years. Where do you think farming is? Yeah, I think I think there's there's a conservatism within within farming, but I think that's been bred by the way uh, governments, successive governments, have have treated uh, agriculture. Um, this constant desire from the governments, and to be fair, from all of us, for for cheap, cheaper and cheaper food, have led to uh, farmers being reliant on subsidy uh, to produce food. And I think that has not only devalued the way we we farm our land, having to push everything all the time. You know, at one stage we had 250, nearly 300 cows on this land. Now we've got 150 um, because we're, we're trying to cut out the middleman to get yeah. the, the product direct to the consumer. Um, but I think the, the, farming, the farming community is, has basically taken a load of crap off... The majority of governments mm. over the last 30 years and they're they're skeptical of any massive change in any system because they they, they don't know whether it's going to last a, a four-year five-year term of a government or so six months or six months so why would anybody decide that they were going to plant trees in a field which are going to last 300 years when the next government could say right we're not going to pay you for that or pay subsidy for that because farming at the moment requires subsidy because we're not prepared to pay enough for the food mm. so that's where the conservatism within the farming industry is and that's where it comes from um, but I think what we're trying to do here and whether we're successful or not we'll know in a few years time is we're trying to move away from subsidy move away from the reliance on subsidy move away from being a price taker, from selling everything to a processor, to being a price maker and making stuff on the farm, which has been an absolute mind-blowing experience for us, where we're taking our milk, which once went off in a big milk tanker we never saw again. We're actually making products which we're proud of, artisan products which we sell direct to the consumer, 
and we can see in their eyes whether they like it or not, and it, and it's it's told to us when they come back and rebuy it, and and that's and the possibilities then for farming are endless when you when you re reconnect mm. to the public mm. with a product that you make, and you're making a product from grass which we can't eat, yeah. soil which we can't eat, yeah. but we use this this amazing animal um, to turn. What is effectively inedible um, lays into beautiful, glorious, nutritious, nutrient dense food. And just to wrap up, I've seen you on the market stall in Keswick, <laughs> and so you literally are talking to your customers, aren't you? Yeah, I mean the the, the market stall. We've said it a few times has has changed the way we farmed as well. Yeah, um, it's driven us to have a look at different ways of farming, which include keeping calves on cows. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting way. Whereas before the uh, of looking at the the way we farm. So whereas before, the farm and the cows and producing loads and loads of milk were driving everything we do. Now the cheese and the ice cream and the end product is pulling, and it's pulling the farm mm. towards a more regenerative approach. Fantastic. Jenny and Mark, thanks for your time today. It's absolutely been brilliant. I've loved it. Yeah, and thanks, Peter. Good luck with this project. Yeah, I think okay. it's great. Congratulations on 30 years in the industry. Well done. Thank you very much. You can really tell on this farm how they're engaging. They've got people working on the farm. They're producing this fantastic product they're really proud of. Um, I love the energy and the dynamism and... The, the can-do attitude of these guys, fantastic. I had a lovely day and yeah, we're eating their cheese and it's lovely to have been on the farm and go home and eat the cheese. Brilliant. Next week, we'll be talking to Archie Rogers-Bryce, who manages the family estate in Essex and has brought back beavers. See you then. You've been listening to the Tree Amble podcast, written and produced by myself, Pete Leeson. My special thanks go to Pete Ord for his awesome production and mixing skills. And actually, Pete and Pete, both of us, we wrote the music. So thanks very much to Pete for his input there. The recording was on location with mixing and production at the studio at Sunbeams, part of the Annie Mawson Sunbeams Music Trust. Thanks also to all those lovely people who were interviewed, Simon Wakefield for the artwork, and my special thanks go to those who gave me the confidence and support to make this happen. Angela, Anne, Catherine, Tim, Tim, Kevin, Emma, Nick and Paul. Thank you.